Recently, I had the opportunity to uh, note that one of my colleagues I didn't know on the, uh, the district, which is, is not all that rare completely, to be honest with you, but I have been here and at St. James for 30 years. So um, when, when somebody else comes on the district, is, is located somewhere, and I don't recognize their name or know them, I might reach out to them. So I sent an email and I said, hey, why don't we get together for lunch? I haven't met you. Um, uh, and I, you know, I'd like to remedy that. I don't have any agenda. How about if we get together? Well, I didn't hear anything, nothing. I didn't hear anything all uh, week long. Uh, the next week came around and I had lunch with a friend who had another friend who happened to know the person I emailed who had asked the friend of my friend, who's this James Henry guy and what's his agenda writing me to ask me to have lunch? What's up with him? You know, uh, uh, and so the friend of my friend asked my friend who said, if James says he doesn't have an agenda, he doesn't have an agenda. Um, I still haven't heard back from the person I originally emailed and that's perfectly fine. You know, we all get to choose what we do with our lives. We all get to choose what we do and how we will spend our time. But relationships are not about agendas. Now, all of us know that life is filled with agenda. Let's, let's be honest, if you have a job, you know that there are certain things you need to accomplish and that's part of your agenda. Uh, if you're going to the grocery store, you have an agenda. Almost always you do, unless you're one of those people who just goes to the grocery store, wanders around until you find some things and put them in your cart, you go home and you realize you still don't have anything to put together to make a meal because you just randomly bought stuff that was all there. Generally, we have an agenda in certain things in life and there are tasks that need to be accomplished. But perhaps relationships ought to be different than an agenda. Now, throughout the biblical story, particularly as it relates to Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, people who came to seek out Jesus had an agenda. They wanted something from him. If they were sick, they wanted to be healed. If they were broken, they wanted to be fixed. Or maybe they just wanted to be entertained. I mean, we are so entertained now, we have no idea what it was like in the first century. In, in this century, if I want to be entertained, I can turn on the radio. I know that you maybe not don't know what those are. Those are little boxes that pick up airwaves that come to us free across uh, the airwaves. I mean, they vibrate to us and they pick them up and we listen to them. That's the way I listened to music when I was growing up primarily. Or we can turn on television and Lord knows, in our house, we probably have, I don't even know how many hundreds of channels that we could possibly watch, hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. I can't tell you how many times I turn on the television for five minutes and turn it back off because there's nothing to see. Hundreds of channels, nothing to see. I turn them on with an agenda, and that agenda is to consume something, to fill my time, to, to meet my needs. And some people come to see Jesus because he's entertaining. He says things that stir things up. Uh, he says inspiring things. Uh, perhaps their agenda is to learn something. Well, today's story is about somebody 
who doesn't have an agenda when they come to see Jesus, except to be thankful. I want to take a look today at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, and I'm beginning with verse 36. Um, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was known for missing the mark, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him to the house saw it, he said to himself, if this were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, for she has missed the mark. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he said, speak. A certain uh, creditor had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and another who owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom the canceled debt was larger. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her having missed the mark, which she has done many times, has been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your having missed the mark is forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to murmur among themselves, who is this who even forgives missing the mark. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. I wonder how many of us have an agenda when, they come become, when we come to God with faith. We want to punch our ticket for eternity. We want to uh, uh, find uh, some kind of peacefulness in our lives. We want healing. Sometimes the only time we talk to God is when we need something fixed. You know, uh, I, have, uh, I have made bargains with God. Even this earlier this year, I have tried to make a bargain with God. When Linda was really sick and in the hospital, and I, uh, I was doing my best to simply be present, to love and to pray and to be there, there were a few times when, when I was not paying attention, I tried to cut a deal with God. You know, I'll work twice as hard. I'll do this pastoring thing better than I've ever done it before, God. If you just let Linda get better. Cutting a deal. Cutting a deal because I came to God 
not believing that God wanted the same thing I did. Have you ever imagined that God doesn't want the same thing you do? That God doesn't want someone who is broken to be healed or to be fixed? That God doesn't want world peace? That God doesn't want people not to starve? Have you ever thought to yourself, why doesn't God fix this? Instead of recognizing God wants the same thing as you do, but God gave you the hands and the mouthpiece and gave each of us the gifts that make a difference in the world. Perhaps the problem isn't God. Perhaps the problem is us. But that's for another sermon. So often our conversation with God is an agenda. I have really messed up, God. I need you to fix it. I need you to forgive me. Now, I want you to notice what happens in the story that we read earlier today. There's a woman. Now, some of your translations will say that she was a sinner. But the word sinner in Greek, and I don't like to mess with all the other languages because it's not a big deal that I happen to know what they say. I'm able to look these things up. I had the time. There you go. Hamartia means missing the mark. It's used in archery. When you shoot an arrow and it doesn't hit the bullseye, you have hamartia You have missed the mark. Now, a lot of Bibles translate that as sin, missing the mark. It's a comfortable thing. We've become so used to hearing that word. It doesn't mean anything to us. But what it means is you missed the mark. Now, if you keep missing the mark, you keep practicing, maybe eventually you'll hit the mark. This woman has missed the mark a lot. In fact, she's missed the mark so much that everybody in town is aware of how much she's missed the mark. They're aware of her missing the mark. And chances are they're aware she missed the mark because the way she missed the mark is a very public way to miss the mark, which is to say she had probably had a profession that involved selling herself. And so everybody knew that she had missed the mark. Now, the funny thing is sometimes Jesus makes a point of saying, now, which one of you hasn't missed the mark? Let me know. Come on. Come on forward. Everybody who hasn't missed the mark, come here. And nobody comes because all of us have missed the mark. But we make it our job, and this is also another sermon, to rank the missings of the mark. When I tell little white lies, as if there is such a thing, it's just a little tiny missing of the mark, so it's not a big deal. Oh, but if you do something, you know, uh, immoral, oh my gosh, you've missed the mark way up here. We've ranked it way up here. And we think that there's a rank a ranking system. So as long as we keep on the low level of the missings of the marks, you know, instead of getting it in the red circle in the middle, we get it slightly in the blue. It's still touching the red, but it's just slightly in the blue. It's still missing the mark. It's still missing the mark. The bottom line is some of us miss the mark more than others. And when God releases us from the ways we've missed the mark, our response is to love. The more we've missed the mark, the harder it is for us to receive love. And if we can't receive love, we can't give love. If you can't receive love, you can't give love. Because God's, all the love you have to give, by the way, isn't your love. It's the flow of God's love through you. So if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you've got the 
the pump turned off, if you've got the spigot at its lowest setting so it's only dripping into you, then all you've got is drips to give to somebody else. Here's a story of a woman who comes in and does, I don't know, when I pictured it in my mind this week as I was thinking through this story, it is one of the most intimate things I've, I've heard of. I mean, think about it. She kneels at Jesus' feet. She cries all over his feet. She uses her hair to dry off his feet. And then she anoints his feet with a very expensive perfumed ointment from an alabaster jar. She does that because she is so very thankful that finally love can pour out of her. That though she has missed the mark over and over again, Jesus has looked at her and seen her for her. Not for all the missings of the mark. Now, how did the Pharisee label her when she came in? As the woman that missed the mark? Not as the woman not as a woman, not as any woman, or as any person, but as the woman who missed the mark. And then inside himself he's saying, if this guy were really a prophet, if he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman he is, she is. She's a misser of the mark. Total misser of the mark. He wouldn't let her near him. Well, the good news for us is that Jesus sees something different in us. Not just missers of the mark. But as every one of us, as I've told you over and over again, as unconditionally loved by God, unconditionally, you know, not conditioned. Whether Simon the Pharisee wants to recognize it or not, the God of all eternity loves the woman who missed the mark as much, but differently than the God of all eternity loves Simon, the Pharisee, who follows the religious law religiously. You see, she had received much love. She had felt the power of that love, that forgiveness, that letting go of the fact that she had missed the mark. She was no longer having to hold on to that. And when you don't have to hold on to all of the crud you've been carrying your whole life, suddenly you're freed up to love. That's the power of knowing Jesus, is all of that stuff before is before. Now, you may still pay consequences for that stuff in this life. If you've broken the law and you get caught, chances are pretty good. Well, it depends. It depends on who you are and what you look like and how much money you have to hire a lawyer, all of those kinds of things. But in this life, you might pay for it. But in God's eyes, you are forgiven. It's released. And when you are released, you are free. And when you are free, you can love whomever and everyone that you meet. When you only got a trickle of love coming in, and the reason you got a trickle of love is because you've turned the spigot off, or you've let everyone else in your life tell you to turn the spigot off because you don't deserve it, then you don't have any to give away. 
If I read the Bible correctly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're welcome to. But God's love is infinite. Guess what that means? You can't measure it. There's no such thing as infinity plus one. Remember, did you ever do that in school? You know, you finally learned what infinity was and you thought you knew what it was. And somebody says, well, I want, I, I want infinity stuff. Well, I want infinity plus one. If it's uncountable, it's uncountable. If it's unmeasurable, if it's so huge that you can't count it, it's just too huge. You can't add one to that. It makes no sense at all in infinity. Infinity times two. No. It's like zero times two. It's still zero. Infinity times two is still infinity. And that's how much love God has. But if we cut ourselves off because we've missed the mark, whether it's a little or a lot, then our response is not to love so much. This woman had finally had the dam in her life broken open. And the water just flowed. Just flowed. And she wanted to respond. So without agenda, she went into a house where at any other time she wouldn't be welcome. And she knelt at Jesus' feet. She washed them and anointed them in the most intimate way I can imagine. And Jesus commended her. Though you've missed the mark, go in peace. Go in peace. Because those ways you've missed the mark are behind you now. Come to right now. Be right here, right now. Be where you are. Because in this moment, you've experienced nothing but love. God wants a lot of those moments. And God wants one for every one of you that you know and experience the power of that love here and now. Because God has let go of all of that stuff. God has let go of it. Most of the time, the crud from our past is what we hold on to. Now, if it's something we did against society or against someone else, someone else may be holding on to something too. Don't get me wrong. But oftentimes the thing that stands between us as God it, it is the fact that we're holding on. We're holding on. It's almost like we have the power because we have these mistakes we made. These marks we missed. And God doesn't see those anymore. God sees you. You for who you are. And that person that who you are is a person that is infinitely and unconditionally loved by God and who's precious just for who you are. So many things we seek in life are shaped by agendas. We talked about them. And I'm, so I'm not saying to you that agenda are bad. I'm saying that when we have an agenda, it's because there's a task before us. You don't have a task for all of the marks you've already missed, except to let them go. And maybe to ask someone else to let them go, if you did it against someone. 
And then you're free in this moment. That's your task. To love Jesus without agenda. To have faith that isn't faith because you need something or want something or hope for something, but simply because. God wants us to love God because God is God, not because we need something from the divine Santa Claus. God is love, and all God wants from you is love. And once that's the broken dam, the gushing love of God flows out from us all, like it did for the woman with the alabaster jar. She didn't know how to do anything now that that gushing was happening, but to let it gush on the one who opened the door for her who broke the dam for her. And she poured it out on Jesus freely. I don't know what her life looked like after that. And the Bible apparently doesn't feel like it's an important thing to tell us. In that moment, her response was one of absolute love. And no fear, no fear about what everyone else was going to think. So in the places in your life that require agendas, when you go to work, when you're shopping for groceries to feed your family or yourself, when you're, uh, you know, whatever it is that you have to do that's a task, feel free to have an agenda. But don't treat love like some of the television shows do, like... The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or Paradise Island or whatever it is, where love is a competition with an agenda. And the agenda is to be the one person that wins the one person on the other side. That's an agenda. I don't know, maybe some of those relationships work out. And I'm sorry if your favorite show is The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise or Bachelor in Paradise. If you like those shows, then, I, you know, whatever. But please don't emulate them in your life. Don't try to go to an island with some people who are going to vie for you. Because then there's just an agenda involved, winning. And in love, everybody wins. Nobody loses. If you really love, if you really love the way that Jesus really loved, Jesus loved Simon the Pharisee, went to his house. Jesus loved the woman who had missed the mark. And he gave his love freely and invited us to love back. That's why we do this thing. Quite frankly, the songs, the sermon, the prayers, all of that is relatively extraneous. Unless the love gushes forth from us, unless the dam breaks, unless we recognize the infinite love God has for us and let it flow. Let it flow like the woman with the alabaster jar. It's time for us to, to pray together. Are there any prayer requests that we've received? Uh, Linda keeps track of those for me. Um, David as well. David as well. Yay, that's a, that's a big one for us at St. James. If you're new and you don't know David, 
David, every week I have to check before I get up here to do prayer requests, is, is he in the hospital? Is he at home? Is he in the hospital? Is he at home? Because for the last year and a half, I thought he was at home. He was in the hospital. I thought he was in the hospital. He had gone home. So he's well, and that's good news. That's really good news for us to hear. Uh, I want us to be in prayer. This week, um, Appalachia Service Project has what they call initial home visits, IHVs. And a bunch of people converge down into Appalachia and they go out and they look at homes of people who have applied to have their homes fixed by Appalachia Service Project. And they make determinations about which houses can be fixed and which ones cannot. Um, sometimes it can't be because it's just way out of the scope of what ASP could possibly do for a person's house short of tearing it down and rebuilding it. That some people's houses are in that bad a shape. It's hard to believe that here uh, in our country that exists, but it does, and I've seen it. So as all these people converge, and as the uh, leadership team at Appalachia Service Project and the young adults who are part of their fellows program all kind of go out into their service area and visit all these homes, I just want to pray that it will be a beautiful experience on both sides. Um, because sometimes it's tears on both sides. Tears because Appalachia Service Project would love to fix every house, and some of them they can't. And the ones they can't, I've seen bring people to tears. And the people who hope that their house will be warmer, safer, and drier, but can't get that done, have tears as well, because they're sad it can't happen. So as those decisions start to be made this week, and uh, some by some people that I know very uh, well and whom I love dearly who are out doing that. I want to pray for that process. I want to pray for everybody who comes and visits our, our uh, West End Food Pantry. It is such a joy to be able to help people out when they can't quite put together enough food or to at least take some of the burden off so that they can have food focus on getting enough food and then uh, have uh, things to spend other places, because we all know there are a lot of expenses in life. I want to give thanks for all those who donate. One of the things that got donated, uh, if you've ever had small children, and even if you haven't, you have to almost take a mortgage to be able to afford diapers, a uh, second mortgage on your house. And so when I see a diapers appear, I know that a family is going to be a little bit better off because they're not going to, family with small children, it's going to be a little bit better off because they don't have to do that. I want us to pray one last thing. There's a long list, but one last thing is, as we come into this season, Thanksgiving and then Christmas, one of the things that we do is we have partnered once again with Rising Hope United Methodist Church, which is one of our mission churches on the Alexandria District on Route 1, with their angel tree, and so we will be uh, a adopting children and providing gifts for them. Um, so we want to be in prayer for them, the ones who receive and the ones who will give and who will be a part of that as that begins. Let's enter into a time of prayer together. We'll begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. There'll be a version on the screen. You can pray that one or you can pray the one you know. You can pray it in the language you know. Whatever works, God hears it. 
but that's how we will enter into prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, I admit it sometimes the reason why I can't love in this world is because I have got so many different agenda running my life and that I come to you with an agenda and my agenda is all about me and what I need, what I wish for in this world. And that agenda holds me back from letting the love flow, the love that you give me freely because I can't seem to love you just for you the way you love me just for me. I forget that your joy is in finding me and my joy can be in being found. The woman with the alabaster jar knew that. I'm so sorry we don't know her name except the woman with the alabaster jar. Simon saw her as the woman who had missed the mark. And Jesus saw her for a person who loved freely and openly and showed what that looked like. So he told Simon, be like her. And he set her free to go in peace. Lord, so many of us have missed the mark. We know it. Not just so many of us, all of us have missed the mark. And sometimes we get so caught up in the marks we have missed that we can't receive your love and give it away. In this moment, we pray for your assurance that it's in the past. That having missed the mark does not predict the future or even this present moment. Because this moment, we are enough and you are enough for us. And you love us right where we are. And all that's past is past. We'll miss the mark again. But for right now, here we are, standing before you. Your people asking you to love us. And the funny thing is, we don't even need to ask because you already do. Open us to that love. Break the dam within us so that the love might continue to flow. God, we, we pray even now for all of these concerns we've lifted to you, for those in need, those who are struggling, who are alienated, broken, lost, and alone. We pray that you would guide and direct all of those who are being touched by the work of Appalachia Service Project, the West End Food Pantry, and all others in this world, may we truly love with an open heart as you have loved us. We ask this in the precious and holy name of Jesus, your son. And we pray now the prayer he modeled for us. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.